following message entitled, Do You See the Risen Christ? was given by Joe Ryer on the 27th of March, 2016. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, happy Easter, everyone. My name is Joe, one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you yet, um, if this is your first time or you're a family member, welcome to Saving Grace Church. Uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. And um, obviously it's Easter morning, so guess what we're going to talk about. Before we get to the main subject in the Bible passage in Luke chapter 24, I want you guys, I want to ask you a couple questions to get your mind uh, thinking. So, you're, you're in one of two groups with the question I'm about to ask. You're either a person who can see things or a person who can't see things. So, have you ever been around a person or been the person that could see something? So maybe you're a hunter, and we have a hunter on staff as a pastor, Bob Mundorf. Bob, I, I feel like he makes things up when we're driving in a car. And he'll see deer and bear and raccoon and the red-tailed hawk. I don't even know what the red-tailed hawk is, but he'll see it. And Mark does the same thing. So we'll be in pastor's meetings. They'll look out the window. They're like, look, a red-tailed hawk. And it's always a red-tailed hawk. And to this day, I, I've never seen one yet. Well, there, there's two. Yeah, Mark said there's one now. So, you're in one of two groups here. You're either the person who can see things, could be animals, wildlife, or in the night sky, you see Orion's belt every time, no matter the season, or the planets that you can see uh, with the human eye, you can see them, and the rest of us are just stuck staring either up or out, and we just can't see it. Well, how many of you know what a stereogram is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. Most of you actually know, you just don't know you know. Can you project the stereogram for us? Okay, so that is a picture. And if you look at that picture, there's a picture inside that picture. If you see the picture inside the picture, raise your hand. I don't know if it will work. Oh, we got a few already. Give you another minute. All right, project the picture inside the picture. Who saw that picture? <laughs> Uh, we got a couple that actually saw a fish and a hook. Well, you can put that, that down. Well, <laughs> go to the stereogram again. We'll try it one more time. <laughs> now you see it? <laughs> no, you don't see it. And I don't see it either. I spent, I spent way too much time this week staring at that picture. And there's actually like uh, a tutor for, for those of us who can't see these pictures. So I was blinking my eyes. It said to look like this, then to go real slow at the picture. I tried doing all those things, still couldn't see it. Well, well, the point is, when it comes to things like this, or wildlife, or stars in the sky, there are some of us that can see it plain as day, and there are others that can't see it at all. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, I think, I think the same is true. That this room, in, in many ways, could be divided into those of you who can see Jesus Christ and those of you who can't quite see Jesus Christ. And, and for some of you, maybe if you're the group that, that can't see Jesus, you came into a room today and you thought, wow, these people are nice, maybe a bit crazy, and uh, very expressive, and, and that's about all. You, you can't get why some people are so excited 
and others aren't. Jason, while he was leading worship this morning, he said, I just can't stop singing that song. Well, one of the reasons he can't stop singing that song is because Jesus means so much to him. And he really knows what it means to have his sins forgiven and to see the risen Christ. Well, this morning's message is entitled, Do You See Jesus? Or Do You See the Risen Christ? And my prayer for all of us would be that when we walk out of this room in a bit, that we would have a much clearer vision of Jesus. Maybe some of you would see Jesus for the first time. Others of you who have seen Jesus clearly for years, you would come into a sharper vision of Jesus. He would mean more to you and be more beautiful and glorious than he was when you came in this morning. So let's pray, and we're going to turn to the Bible. Father, thank you for Easter morning. Thank you that you are a God who loves to open our eyes wide to see Jesus. And Lord, I I pray that's what you would do today, that all of us would have a, a greater vision of Jesus Christ by the end of this message. And Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, we're going to start in Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to slowly walk through a passage, and I want to I set the context for you. We're going to actually go on a walk with two men in the Bible. This story, if you're familiar with the Bible, is called The Road to Emmaus. And the story takes place on Easter Day. We don't know quite what time it was, but it was Easter Day. So, a few days earlier on Friday, Jesus died and hung on the cross. And the men that we're going to go on a walk with, they were two of the 70 disciples. They were followers of Jesus. And so they have just seen their friend hang and die and bleed and suffer. And he wasn't just their friend, but he was their hope. They really believed that this man, Jesus Christ, was the answer to everything. But now a few days later, they didn't know what to do. They were disillusioned, they were saddened, they were heartbroken, and they were confused. And so they're going to walk on a road to a town called Emmaus, and while they're walking, Jesus is going to come up beside them. And they're going to go from being blind to the risen Christ, Jesus rising from the dead, to having sight and really believing all that the Bible proclaims about Jesus. And my prayer is that we would have a similar experience as we do this. So let's look at the Bible. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. The first point is we need to see the risen Christ. So it's Easter day, still morning, most likely. That very day, two of them, two of the followers of Jesus, were going to a village named Emmaus. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. So, two men, they loved Jesus. They wanted to live for Jesus. They wanted to follow Jesus. So they're walking. They got a long walk. Seven mile walk. The average human being in this room, you walk about 15 minutes a mile to 20 minutes a mile. Maybe some of you are speed walkers. You walk 12 minutes a mile. They're walking for a long time. They had a seven-mile walk, and they're walking for a long time. Well, while they're on that walk, Jesus appears to them. Verse 15, while they were talking, discussing together, Jesus himself 
drew near and went with them. But verse 16 tells us, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. So, they're on the walk. We don't know when Jesus showed up, but he shows up at some point, probably early in the walk. So most likely, they're going to walk with Jesus for about two hours on this road to a town. And somehow, Jesus was able to keep them from seeing him. So, so think undercover boss. So you, you ever watch Undercover Boss and the, the slick, clean-cut boss has like bleached hair and a fake beard and you, you always think, how can they not see him? But they, they get away with it usually. Well, that's what Jesus was doing because he wanted to talk to them. He wanted to continue to teach them. And ultimately, he wanted to open their eyes so that they could really know that Jesus not only died on the cross for their sins, but he rose from the grave. Verse 18. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him. He said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So, the two men, this was big news. If we were in Jerusalem, if we were in the surrounding region at the time, we all knew that this man, Jesus Christ, was killed. And most of us probably knew he was an innocent man. He did nothing wrong. So even if we didn't believe in him, even if we weren't followers of him, we would have known. We would have been in the conversation. It would have been the talk of the town. But Jesus is going to play along. Verse 19, And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, Mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. Now if we were there, if we were watching this on video, Cleopas and the unknown friend, they would have felt this. We're talking about Jesus. The man who was mighty in word and deed. The man who was murdered. But he was innocent. The man who died between two thieves. He was a man mighty in word and deed. And if you don't know much about Jesus, one of the irrefutable things is that he did many, many miracles while he was on earth. Many miracles. So if he was in our day and age and you were a fan, we'd have a YouTube channel. And when we'd watch Jesus, I'm a, I'm a huge basketball fan, so I, I love watching Steph Curry videos all the time. I watch them way too much, but I just love watching them over and over, see what he can do with a basketball. Well, if we were watching Jesus' YouTube channel, here's the kind of things that you would see. You'd watch Jesus. You might not know who Jesus is at first in the video because the Bible says there was nothing attractive about his physical appearance. It would have been his deeds and his character that, that would have set him apart from others. So when we saw him in a crowd at first, we might not recognize him. But then if we're watching this video, a blind man comes into the room with his friends, totally blind. Jesus heals him. Another clip. Jesus is at a house teaching the Bible. And all of a sudden, the roof is pulled open. The thatching on the roof is, is ripped open. And Jesus is, 
is there. And this paralyzed man is being lowered down by his friends. This man has not walked. And Jesus looks at him. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And Jesus heals him. Now if we're watching it, we might, might see a clip that says, Leper Colony. Which is a place we probably wouldn't visit. Jesus comes upon a number of lepers, men and women, who have this terrible, deadly skin disease that's going to destroy them physically and has isolated them socially. They have not had human touch since they had the disease. They have not been with their mom and dad and community of friends since they had the disease. They were separate. And Jesus puts His hand on them. And He touches them. And their skin's restored. And they're healed. Well, the Bible goes on and on like this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of different accounts. I think of one who is a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He was a thief. He would ring your doorbell, say, I'm here for the taxes. He would make up an amount. And he'd maybe double the amount. So he'd say, give me the thousand dollars. And as he's walking to his, whatever they walk to, let's say his donkey, he's, he's putting half of it in his own bag and he's putting half of it in the Roman government's bag. So he is getting rich off of you. Well, Jesus loved, loved to come after men like Zacchaeus and show them his love and forgiveness and restore their life completely. And so Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus and he gives all his money back. His life is transformed by Jesus Christ. Jesus was a friend of sinners in the Bible. So if you've done terrible things, Jesus is your guy. He is the only one who can forgive you. He's the only one who can restore your life. He's the only one who can free you spiritually. And maybe my favorite YouTube clip would have been when Jesus was crucified, there was a man on his left side and his right side. And the Bible says they were thieves. They were criminals. Uh, most uh, Bible historians think, think that they were most likely murderers. They were not shoplifters. They were bad dudes who did bad things. And when Jesus was being crucified, one on his left, one on his right, the one man was hurling insults at Jesus. Didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. The other man said, no, we, we deserve to be here, but this man, he did nothing wrong. And the man said to Jesus, remember me, because they're all about to die. And Jesus said to him, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. Meaning that man's sins were going to be paid for in full. He was given the gift of eternal life. And it all happened as he was being crucified on a wooden tree. Think about what that man never did. That man never went to church. Never read the Bible. He never gave money to the poor. He never did a thousand good things that many followers of Christ get to do. And yet Jesus welcomed him in to heaven because Jesus was dying for his sins when he hung on the cross. So you get the point. The YouTube channel, it would have millions and millions of views because it would be so captivating. And here's the thing, that if you're, you're new to the Bible, the book of John, in the end of the book of John, 
It says this shocking thing in verse 25. It said, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, think of the, the biggest library in the world. It wouldn't be large enough to write all the different things that Jesus did, both in his miracles, in his acts of kindness, in his acts of mercy. And yet the culminating event was when Jesus hung and died on the cross. So they're having this dialogue. And Cleopas and the other man, they, they just couldn't, couldn't get it. Look at verse 21. He's still sad and he said, but, but we had hoped that this one was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back and sang that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but they did not see him. So as they're having this conversation, the two men, they're recalling some things. Earlier that morning, reports are beginning to circulate. The tomb's empty. The stone's rolled away. Maybe he's there. And we know from accounts in the Bible that Jesus actually appeared to several women that very morning. And man, this should be a side lesson for all of us. Those three women, they encountered the risen Christ. Or they encountered angels that said he was risen. And they went to tell the disciples, the 11 disciples that were left, that were going to be the founders of Christianity in the world. And do you know what they said when the women came to the door and said, we, we met two angels, the tomb's empty? What do you think they said? Do you think they believed it? They didn't believe it. They doubted. They didn't believe it at all. This is the future leaders of Christianity as we know it. They, they dismissed the whole thing. And so Cleopas and his friend, they're confused. Well, if James doesn't believe it, and John doesn't believe it, and Thomas definitely doesn't believe it, how are we going to believe it? But you could imagine they, they might have had some hope. So remember, these men are walking down a road. Jesus has risen. He's right beside them. And they still can't see it. The risen Christ is right there, and they still can't see it. Second point, we need to look through the lens of the Bible to see the risen Christ. So if this was a counseling session, Jesus has done all the listening he wanted to do. Now he's ready to talk. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, that's a title for Jesus, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the Deliverer, the promised hope of the Old Testament, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? Verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they, they're still walking. Basically what Jesus did, he said, guys, he still hasn't told them who he is yet, or shown them. He opens the first page of the Bible and he begins to flip through. 
the entire Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And he begins to tell them how all these different verses point to him. The one who was promised. The one who was God and man. The one who was the answer to all sin and suffering in the world. And he walks slowly through the entire Bible. If you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, here's, here's a way to help your sight. Look at the Bible. Read the Bible. Ask God's Spirit to open your eyes as you read the Bible. Because the Bible, it's like a set of binoculars or a high-powered telescope. It will show you. It's the lens you need to look through to see Jesus Christ. And fortunately, we don't just have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. So if you want to see Jesus more, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not, Not just for those of you who are trying to figure out who He is, But for those of us who have been walking with Him for a long time, we often need a fresh view of Jesus Christ. So what's He do? He he goes through the entire Bible and, and begins to make connections. Now we don't know all that He said. We don't know what details He focused in on and which ones He left out. But we can take a a pretty good educated guess of some of the main ones he would have focused on. And I, and I want us to, to recap that a little bit. But before we do that, the story of the Bible, the Bible begins with one shocking verse. Genesis 1.1. It says, In the beginning was God. That verse should give us hope and fear. It should give us hope that there is a world that is made by God, created by God, that He is in control of and He's in charge of. And so that's good news if we know Him and we're right with Him. But that's bad news if you want to live life for yourself. If you want to live life on your own terms. You have a major problem with Genesis 1-1 because it's God's world. Now the story unfolds in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve are created in in chapters 1 and 2 and then they sin. And when they sin, that sin affected us all. It's why all of us in this room had to be taught to obey our parents or grandparents or caretakers rather than to disobey them. Why is that? Because it was in us. It was our nature. And that sin separated. It broke the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve and therefore every human being afterward. And the story of the Bible is this story of God and His love and His mercy pursuing people year after year, century after century, giving glimpses that one day He's going to send the ultimate help, the ultimate Savior, the ultimate substitute, and that is His Son, Jesus. just want to read a couple of these prophecies from the Old Testament. These were things that were written long before Jesus came to earth. The first one, Genesis 3.15. This is God speaking to Satan in the Garden of Eden. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And this one offspring of Eve, this daughter of Eve, or this son of Eve, Jesus Christ, he shall bruise your head, meaning... You take the head off of a snake, 
it dies. It still squirms for a while, but it dies. And you shall bruise his heel. So Satan did bruise his heel. Jesus was indeed crucified, but his head was lopped off when Jesus rose from the grave. Listen to Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Do you worry about the state of the world? Do you worry about government in our country and beyond? Well, there's going to be a mighty ruler, Jesus Christ. The government will be upon his shoulder. He's going to rule and reign over all. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Listen to this one, Zechariah 9.9. The coming King of Zion rejoiced greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your King is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is He, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What's that talking about? That's talking about the week before this happened, when Jesus came in this triumphal entry, riding on a donkey. He perfect, per, perfectly fulfilled Every promise and prophecy. Now listen to this one in Isaiah. This is one of my favorites. Before I read it, I want you to think about all the sin that you've ever done in your life. You might not call it sin, so we'll just call it the things you feel really guilty about. The things that plague your mind. The things that bother your conscience. Or once bothered your conscience. And listen to what Jesus did for those things. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to His own way. And the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This is Jesus, who always existed before the foundations of the world, who came in the form of a baby, a little baby boy, who grew up perfectly obeying, perfectly doing miracles, And he could have at any moment called upon every angel that he ever created to come and destroy those who were dragging him away to be crucified. But do you know why he didn't do that? He didn't do that because he loves you. Because he loves us. He didn't do it because his main primary reason for coming was to do that. Was to hang on a wooden cross suspended between heaven and earth to die for our sins, to pay for our sins, to take the punishment for our sins upon Himself. And so if you trust in Him, if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe that He lived and died and rose from the grave for your sins, then this should be a good day for you, a happy day for you. All your sins, past, present, future, are washed away paid in full, all of because Jesus Christ came to earth, died, and rose again. And maybe you don't think you're that bad. 
Maybe you think you're okay. Maybe you think, if I die, I'm a good guy, pretty good lady. I've done good things. Well, the problem is you, you probably are a good guy. You probably are a good lady. You probably have done many good things. The problem is if you've done one sinful thing, you, you've been separated from God. And you're cut off. And there's only one way in. And this is, what, this is Jesus' own words. He said in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's one way to a relationship with God. And it's not about doing good things. not about cleaning yourself up. It's about trusting in God's provision, who is Jesus Christ. Now you can hear that and yet still not see it. So that brings us to the last and final point. We need God to open our eyes to see the risen Christ. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village. They're on the seventh mile or sixth mile. They're about the end. They drew near the village to which he was going. He acted as if they, they were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. They loved being with Jesus. Stay with us. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They were given spiritual sight. Yeah, we don't know all the side conversation. Were they excited? Were they thrilled? Were they scared? Were they, what were they? But they saw Jesus. They recognized. We've been with the risen Christ. He's really alive. He really paid for our sins. He really is the hope of the world. And he's sitting in our kitchen. You know, what, what's going on? And then he vanished from their sight. Gone. Now they're going to see him again, and Jesus is going to keep appearing to people before he goes to heaven. But they saw enough. They knew he was the one. And it says in Luke, I, I, I love this, this, this verse that, that follows. Let me find it. Verse 32. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? Did not. He seemed different than anyone we've ever interacted with. Did not our hearts burn? Their eyes were opened. If you can't see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the perfect prayer for you is, God, open my eyes. Help me to see Him. Help me to see my need for Him. Help me to see who He is and what He's done. And that's a prayer that He loves to answer. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When God's Spirit comes inside of someone, he makes us alive. Spiritually speaking, when you were born and when I was born, we were flatlined spiritually. We were slaves of sin. We were blind. We were deaf to the voice of God. And when God invades our lives, the monitor begins to beep. Life is infused. And so there's new desires and there's new power to obey Jesus. 
and there's sight and there's sound. You hear His voice. And when you read the Bible, it's, it, it's real to you. And when you sing to Jesus, He's real to you. And when you pray to the Holy Spirit, He fills you and you experience Him. So we need God to open our eyes. And for many of you in the room, you, you are open to Jesus Christ. You, you see Him. You believe Him. But you know what you need? You need a fresh view of Him. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you again, to give you clearer vision. Life is hard. Trials come. Suffering and sin have this just terrible effect on our sight of Jesus. And we become big and our problems become huge and Jesus just begins to shrink away. And we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the risen Christ with fresh eyes. And so I want to read this prayer from Ephesians before I close. This is the Apostle Paul and he's praying for believers and it's a fitting prayer for us. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. This is what we need. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Jesus came to earth. Jesus died, and He is risen, and He is in heaven, and so we can see Him through faith, through the Bible, and by the power of God's Spirit. Let's pray and have the band come up. Father, we pray that as we sing this final song, blurry vision would become sharp and crisp and clear, and the blind would have sight. Those who can't hear your voice would hear it for the first time. Those who grew up knowing this story but not knowing the reality of it would experience the reality of the risen Christ. Lord, we love You. Jesus, we praise You for coming into this messed up world and paying for all of our sins and rising from the grave. And Lord, we know that one day You will return for Your people. And Lord, may we be ready for that day. Lord, we ask all this in Your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.